if you're going through. The folk who don't go through, they stop before they get through. That's a problem. All right? I have a couple of things on my mind today uh, I want to share with you. Now, by way of remembrance, by way of remembrance, I told you a few weeks ago that we needed to be structured for ministry. We needed to be structured for the business of ministry. Now, that's not what I'm preaching today. I'm doing this by way of reminder. Renee, it just seems unusual to have you sit up here and not sing. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to uh, read a couple of scriptures and you think of something you'd like to whisper to us. Okay. So. All right. Now, you need to be able to have in your mind a formula of something you can live by every day. We develop habits. We are creatures of habit. We develop some habits that are good, some that are not so good. But we need to develop the habit of having some structure in our lives. So God created us. He made us that way. We need to realize, visualize, mobilize, organize, energize, maximize, and sloganize. Now, some of you look at me like you never heard that before. I'm going to repeat it in a few minutes so that you can get it. For you need to be structured for business. The business of ministry. Nobody gets away without doing ministry. Nobody is justified when there is no ministry. Now, let me give you a good definition for ministry. Ministry is the art of being able to receive, ingest it, and then give it away. Whatever God gives to you does not really belong to you. It belongs to the body of Christ. Are you, are you here? See, whatever God blesses you with, he wants you to bless me. And because we are intricately attached to each other, one feeds from the other. We have to have some structure by which we do business in ministry. And you don't want to be sloppy at ministry. Hello. I'm going to tell my friend back on the back seat. He's uh, uh, Coleman back there. You, you, you don't want to be sloppy when it comes to ministry. You've got to have a purpose that is always forward in your mind. You've got to always know what your purpose is. And when you walk the streets, you're going to run into folk who need what you 
have to offer. So don't be afraid to talk to folk because they look like they got it together, but they're falling apart all over the place. Uh, Y'all hang with me as long as you can. I'm going to do my best here. But I want to repeat these these topics so that you can have them. And then Renee is going to sing, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to do what I want to do for the subject of the day. All right? First, you need to realize. Write that word down. Realize. Now, if you realize that there is work to do, then you can join the laborers because the Bible declares the problem is a shortage of laborers. It's not people who can't get the work done. It's people who will not engage in the workforce. They are not interested in connecting themselves with folk who really need them. They don't want to be bothered. But you got to realize that what God has given you, he, he wants you to give it away. And you have to develop the means by which you can easily do that. My, my grandmother, when I was a, a little thing and I didn't have any teeth, she gerberized. I ate chicken and ham because she put in them. Got it all right and then plopped it right in my mouth. Don't I look pretty good? Made it. So she gerberized it. Now you got to do this with the gospel. You've got to fix it so folk can get it and digest it. That, that, that's that's my term, Gerberize. Yeah. All right. Realize, visualize. Without a vision, what happens? People perish. Thirdly, mobilize. Over a little force you can find. Anything you can get to help. Kids, puppy, whatever. Use it to the very best. Some people you can get to them if you pet that dog. You don't have anything to do with that dog, they don't have anything to do with you. Uh, you you got you to gotta watch for every possibility to visualize how you can take advantage of whatever is put at your disposal and use it for the gospel, or the presentation of the gospel. Then you need to mobilize. Bring it together. Bring it together. Bring it together so that it's functioning. Now, you've got to be aware of your structure because that is so vitally, vitally important to getting the job done. Then organize. Now... <clears throat> 
the reason you organized <laughs> is that you got to take responsibility for sharing the gifts that God has put in you with those who are already working in the body. Those need to be brought together. That's why Satan hates the church. I'll give you a little heads up and we'll talk about the church a little bit today. That's what my topic really is. But you've got to be ready to organize so that the thing you do is done so good and so regular until you get good at it. And so, <laughs> nothing wrong with being good at what you do. Nothing wrong with it. Uh, I got a friend that uh, uh, I, I play pool with, uh, uh, used to. And he, nothing wrong with him just beating me up and then giggling about it. But he's practiced. He goes out there and he, he practiced. And he knows how to bank a ball and know how to cut a ball and know how to draw the ball. And he gets organized so he can beat me up every time he faces me if he can. I won't tell you much about him. His name is James. All right. All right. Now, when you organize, you got to learn to energize what you organize. I, I, I'm, y'all, y'all remember this. You're going to hear this again. So I expect you to kind of put it down because you got to stop and ask yourself, have I visualized what it is that God has called me to do? Have I mobilized to accomplish that mission? Do I realize God is not going to forgive me and look over me if I don't do what I was sent here to do? <coughs> Are you still there? Amen. Okay. Now, you got to maximize. Realize, visualize, mobilize, organize, energize, maximize. This is not one of those cases where a little dab will do you. You want all you can get. You you want God to be able to be with you all the way. So don't limit what he wants to do with you. Because he knew what he was doing when he gifted you and sent you here to earth. To do this job. (coughs) Would you forgive me? Coughing? Last thing on that list is sloganize. Y'all got that? Okay. What does sloganize say? It says that we need to advertise what we are about. I ain't going to walk around with a sign on me that says Jesus. 
you know what? If Jesus is on the inside, he's going to show on the outside. People know you when you don't think they know you. They notice you when you don't think they're noticing you. You just live right and live, keep a smile on your face and look like you got up to something. <laughs> Amen. And watch people look at you. I was in the hospital sick as a puppy after eating a poisoned mouse. I was sick. And while they were moving me from one place or another in the bed, somebody said, mm-hmm, I knew he was Christian. Somehow, they knew I was Christian. I would hide my little cross and stuff to keep them so you know I can get close to them. So, so when they want to say something out of the way, they, they cuss, damn this, damn that. I said, praise the Lord. <laughs> Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Come sing, Renee. My, my, my. Matthew 16, beginning at verse 13. My topic is, what about the church? What about the church? What about the church? Now, if you, I'm always doing what I hope will inspire men to prepare to challenge those people that God bring into your, um, into your arena. And I want you to be able to understand the subject well enough to talk to people intelligently about the church. Talk to people intelligently about the church. So let's do a little bit of trying to understand the church and the reason for its existence. When Jesus, this is uh, 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say you are John the Baptist. You know, folk. You know, folk have ideas. You, you know, you know, people got their ideas about who they, what they think. And some say you are possibly Elijah. Now that Elias is short, but it really means Elijah. 
Others look at you and say, hmm, maybe Jeremiah's come back to life. We got him the crybaby here again. Yeah. Or some folks say he must be one of the other prophets. Now, they had to believe that he was somebody great because he was doing things that other folk didn't do on a regular basis. And so he wanted to know from his disciples, what are folks saying out there? Now, why do you think Jesus wanted to ask his disciples? And they've been hearing things because they were very forward when they came to answer him. Well, some folks say, they've been listening, the grapevine is working. And so, some say Elijah, some Jeremiah, one of the prophets, somebody great. All right, but let's go a little further. But he said to them, here it is. This is our part now. But whom say ye? Who do you say I am? Now, if I had a chance to discuss this with all of you here in this audience today, and have you give me your opinion as to who Jesus really is. I would get various responses. But you want to be able to talk to your constituents and those around you and explain to them who Jesus is. Because if they don't understand who Jesus is, they'll never understand the church. And that's why some folk can drive by it, never even look up at where the church is supposed to gather. And they don't care anything because they have never discovered why the church exists. And so they try to get along. Many institutions are now trying to get along without including the church as a viable institution. So I had a friend the other day who put on Facebook, let's pray to put prayer back in school. I said, I ain't praying to put prayer back in school. When I go to school, prayer is in school. Because somebody was stupid enough to say you aren't supposed to pray in school doesn't keep you from sitting there silently in the very audience looking in their faces and saying, God, do something to help that that person. I almost... Can't keep you from praying. You can pray at 5,000 feet going 600 miles an hour through the sky. Where is God? 5,000 so many feet high going through the sky. 
God is there. Let, 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 me, let me hurry here. And Simon Peter answered. And he said, I'll tell you who you are. Let me explain clearly who you are. Y'all got this? Can y'all do what Peter? Let, let, all right, follow me now. What did he say? He said, you are the Christ. Man, what a subject. You are the coming one. You are the promised one. In fact, if you don't come, the world will never know peace. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Look at him. And Jesus said unto him, Simon, you are a blessed man. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. Now get this point. I want you to write it down. Revealed. Revealed. You and I have to live by revelation. We must expect God to reveal to us, to show us things that ordinarily would not be known to us. We have to have revelation. So that's why folk who didn't know how to read their Bible understood there was a person called Jesus and he saves from sin. My family had a, had, a, had a relative back east. God called him, saved him, lifted him up, and he couldn't read. He opened the Bible and God taught him how to read his Bible. He was he pastored till he died. Nice going church. How did he get it? Through revelation. God revealed himself to this man. So you see, God is in the business of showing himself. You need to write that down too. Somewhere right close by. God is in the business of doing what? Showing himself. He's been doing it since the Bible was written and before. The Bible, watch it now. Here's something I want you to get because it's kind of cute, I think. The Bible is a history of God's self-disclosure. The Bible is a history of God showing himself. So if you want to see God, open your Bible and he is revealed in the pages of the written word, as well as in the voice of the spoken word, because he is the living word. Oh, Lord, I know I missed you. 
yeah, I think I better say that one more time. <laughs> See, he is revealed in the pages of the written word as well as in the voice of the spoken word because he is the living word. Did we get it? <laughs> so consequently, two questions have to be answered. Three questions to be exact. What's the purpose of the church? Watch this. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are thy son of Jonah. Flesh and blood didn't reveal it to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. Next verse. And I say unto you, Peter, you are Simon the, the stone. You are Peter, a, a rock. And upon this, I'm going to build my church. Upon what? Is there some place out there in the Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi that's got a piece of sacred ground where he's going to build his church? Well... What in the world is he talking about upon this rock, upon this revelation that God has given to you? I'm going to build my church. Because the church is founded on revealed truth. Say it with me. Revelation truth. Look at your friend and say it to him. Revelation truth. That's what the church is built on. Truth that has been revealed to you. Y'all so quiet. You, did you get it? What's the church built on? Truth that has been what? Revealed. You get it? I want you to get it. The church has many characteristics. I'll just mention a couple. First is visible as well as invisible. And when you get saved and you say to him, Lord, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior he is now my salvation. Guess where he puts you? Say it again. Where does God put you? I, I don't hear it over here on this side. When you get saved, where does he put you? He ain't got nowhere else to put you. Nowhere else to put you. When you get saved, you get put in the church.
Preach, Pastor. Nowhere else to put you. Because there are only two major institutions in this world. One is the church. What is the other one? What did you say? The only two major institutions that exist. It's the church and the world. And if you are not in one, Huh? Say it back to me. What did I just say? If you're not in the church, you're in somebody over here tell me what I just I think y'all got that. I, I, I really think you got it. So now let me give you a little just a little peek into how long God was thinking about you <laughs> and preparing for you. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, I believe it is, guess what God did? Read verse 8 and 9. Start at verse 8. And they heard the voice of of the Lord God. What was he doing? What? Now that's something. When you are so sensitive. You're so close. You're so spiritually inclined. You can discern. The walk of God. His footsteps. Not just his voice. You can hear his walk. It ain't like nobody else's walk. Where is he walking? In the what? Well, what did he put out him when he made him? What do you think he was doing symbolically? You see the church? When God made man, he put him in a place where he could meet him and they could have fellowship. That's what the church does. It allows God and his people to come together and be the body of Christ. Lord, help us. Did you get it? See? That's what the church does. The church is a place where God said, if you'll come, I'll meet you there. I see a couple of nods. I got a few nods on it. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all don't know how important it is. God said where two or three touch and agree, I'm where? Right in the middle of it. He didn't even have to extend an invitation. If you get together, God will do what? Lord, you don't know who you are. You're so precious. That don't fit another animal in this world. I don't care how much the morning stars and the the fish and whatever out there in the ocean get together. (coughs) (coughs) Nothing like you. 
you the one thing, the one thing that affects what God does. You don't have to worry about God's presence. And God said, if I'm for you, I'm more than what? The whole world against you. We ought to be so sure that because we belong to God, we are already victors. Amen? We have the victory. That makes me happy. I don't feel like shouting, but it makes me happy. So, I got I know I'm getting, I'm going to have to close it down here. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife did what? Now, that's the first time, that's the first time they ever heard God coming and didn't run to meet him. What do you think was happening? Why didn't they want to meet God? <laughs> Come on now, let's break it down. Why do you think more folk want to stay in bed on Sunday morning rather than go with you? <laughs> They'll stay up to 3 o'clock in the morning on Saturday night. Lord, help us, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. So, 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 you see, God, he's, he's dealing with his church. His fallen folk have fallen from grace, and yet here come God. What is he doing? He's coming to meet his folk. You know, see, that tells you, you don't have to be right for God to come. Oh, Lord, help us, Jesus. Where'd you get that from? You don't have to have a clean slate to get God's presence. God knows you have these ups and downs and funny ideas and wayward kind of thoughts and ugly feelings. No, you don't think much of yourself. And He already knows that. It ain't bothering him. He ain't biting his nails. Cause you pulling out your hair. That's why he said, if you call me, I'll answer. Lord, there's more here than I can deal with today. Guess what God said to him when he got down there? Hey, Adam. Oh, Adam. Adam. You think God was, didn't, he didn't have the answer to that question? You think God didn't know where he was? But he wanted Adam to deal with where he was. Where are you, Adam? And that question applies to any one of us. 
Where do you stand when it comes to meeting with God on His term, His plans? Where are you? When He says holiness, where are you? When He says praise me, where are you? When He says trust me, where are you? Joy, I'm happy. <laughs> the gathering place. That's what the church is. I'm going to give you three things. I'm going to quit for today. What's the purpose of the church? What's the purpose of the church? That's really the question. I hear you. Anybody else? What is the purpose of the church? Huh? To have a vision. Purpose of the church. Okay. Yes, sir. Purpose, he said, is to hear. Purpose of the church. Three things I want to give you. And we'll have to talk talk about it when we get back. Number one, okay, now that's a definition of the church. All right, it's a body of believers, body of baptized believers. Okay, but let's get this. First purpose of the church is that the church exists to glorify. (laughs) Say it with me. The church exists to glorify. God. That's number one. The church exists to glorify God. When is God glorified? When he can look at the church and see himself. When he can look at the church and look at you and see himself. He is glorified. Uh, this side didn't get it. Uh, come on. When is God glorified? When you look at the church and see Himself. You think He act up then? You think God will get happy when He see Himself? He, hallelujah. He is glorified. He is glorified. When he see himself. Now we have a statement which we use for call it our purpose statement. It says we exist to magnify God. That means to, you know what a magnifying glass does. It, it, it shows, makes, amen? Because God has put himself into us so that we can reveal him. Now see the difference? magnify him, make him bigger, make him visible, show him to the world. I told you the Bible itself is a book, a record of God's self-disclosure. That's how God shows himself, through his word. 
through what he does. He reveals that he has always been on the job and his number one concern was not to save the spotted owl. Amen? Amen. John 10.10, 10, the devil comes to, to do what? But I am come that you may have life and have it abundant life. That's why he came. So you would have life. All right? Second place, what, what the church, the second purpose for the church is that the church must perpetuate itself. Now I see y'all looking at me like <laughs> see, It don't need any outside force to move it. It's operated from within. Lord, help us. <laughs> it's, you have to be in the church. That's why he puts you when you get saved. He puts you in the church. All the power that moves the church is from where? Within. It must perpetuate itself. It isn't depending on something flying through the air at 17,000 miles an hour and dropping in Russia. No, nothing cosmic, nothing nowhere makes a difference. The third thing that the church, reason for church existence, we got two. One is what? Glorify God. Number two, perpetuate. What's another good word you can remember? Move itself. Who said that third one? Somebody. She got it from somewhere. The third reason for the existence of the church is that its purpose is to evangelize the world. That's its real three purposes. The third one is the church exists to evangelize the world. 